Well, hey, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Resurrection City Church. Uh, my name is Joel. I'm one of the pastors here. I hope you guys are having just a great sort of, you know, restart to, to the new year as you're kind of getting back in the swing of things. Um, hope you had a great Christmas and, and New Year holiday. Um, I know this morning the conversation with people as they were kind of coming in kept coming, going back to all the snow we've been digging out of and a lot of a lot of real anger about <laughs> about everything with that. So if that's that's you right now, just you know, uh, hope, hope you can find some peace this Sunday morning until you go back outside and you're reminded how how much snow there is everywhere and how uh, how how hard it is to drive through. I don't know. Maybe you're like me. You got a stiff back uh, right now. You've been stretching and getting getting massaged all week. Uh, whatever it is, um, hope you're having a great great week, everybody. Um, as we kind of welcome back in and get back in the swing of things, I'm really excited. We had a couple weeks off here with the with the holiday. But I'm really glad to be back here uh, worshiping with you all uh, this week. Um, we're going to be starting a new series that we're going to be doing for uh, about a month and a half or so to kick off the new year. And I'm really excited to jump in. I'm going to pray, and then we will uh, get into that. Lord, thank you for bringing us all back here together this Sunday morning. Um, as we talk about your spirit and how you, you lead and guide and, and, and influence and give us wisdom through your spirit, Lord, I just pray that your spirit would be with us this morning. You'd help us to, to hear from you, to be led by you well uh, into uh, the wisdom and ultimately to the knowledge of your son, Jesus, God that we would be uh, people who, who walk by the Spirit um, this morning and, and every day as we, we go out from here, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as you can see on the screen here, um, if you're here in person, and, and like I said in the prayer, we are actually doing a series, um, and the title comes from something that Paul says in Galatians 5. So let me, let me read that to you. So I say, walk by the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Okay? This is from Galatians 5. And what Paul is saying here is that for us as Christians, people who follow after Jesus, the life that Jesus offers us, the hope of salvation, um, God's Spirit powers all of that. Okay? The reason that we believe, the reason that we follow Jesus in the first place is because of a work of the Spirit. And so we ought to continue to walk in harmony with the Spirit from here on out, kind of like synchronized dancing with the Spirit. That's what he's getting at, for us to, uh, to, 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 to walk in line with what God has already done in our hearts, if we follow Jesus, is to continue to walk in, this, in the Spirit. And for Paul, that is central to being a Jesus follower. I, think you can, I like to think of what he's saying kind of like this. Like before engines, if you wanted to, to travel in a boat somewhere, you had a, a couple of options. You could, you could row it, or you could sail. You could capture the power of the wind and let that power your boat. Um, the sail, you know, lets the wind do the work for it. It sort of carries it along, and the sail is catching that. So, so if you're sailing, you're, you want to catch the wind. You want to follow the wind. You want to go with the power of the wind. Rowing is a lot more difficult, and, and it can be dangerous. You can you know, read stories about people who try to row across the ocean, and they, they literally don't make it. It's, it's, it's a very difficult, it's virtually impossible to traverse some bodies of water by rowing. I don't know if you've seen, you know, I can think of movies where, like, you know, they're in a boat, and the wind stops for a few days, and they're just kind of stuck, and they're hoping and waiting that they'll get unstuck before they, like, starve or, or run out of water or something. They're waiting for the wind to come back and catch them and carry them along. Literally, the, the wind is their salvation. It's their hope. It's the thing that powers them. 
And I think what Paul is saying here for us is, is similar to that. The spirit is, is the wind, and we need to catch that wind in order to keep carrying us along. And I think that's what he's talking about here. Walking in step with the spirit is catching the power of God's spirit, the wind, so that that carries us along. Now, I think that idea is easy to grasp, but what, what does it actually mean to walk in the spirit? How do we actually catch that wind so that we're carried along by it? Right? Where do I even start doing that might be how you know, some of us approach this. Um, you know, maybe you're, you're a new Christian and you see this and you're like, this doesn't make any sense to me. Or maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, but like you've been in you know, you know, like spaces where you've seen this done you know, and you're just like, it seems really complicated and weird and I don't know how to do it. Or you, you come from a space where like, you, no one talks about the Spirit at all. And you're like, I don't even know what this means, right? Either way, you know, it can be complicated sometimes to understand what it means for us to keep in step with the Spirit. And I know for me sometimes, right, if I don't know where to start with something, I'll kind of drag my feet on it, right? I kind of just don't jump into it. Like I have house projects sometimes, and I'm like, I don't even know where to start to try to fix this thing. And so I just kind of keep kicking the can down the road. I don't know, maybe you, you have stuff like that, uh, where you just, when you don't know where to start, you just kind of don't jump into it. And I think we can be like that with walking in the Spirit, too, right? We don't know where to start, and so we just kind of don't do anything with it. I think walking in the Spirit, catching the wind, is a lot less daunting than it might seem. It's not the rocket science that we like to make it out to be in our heads to walk in the Spirit. And so what we want to do is we want to talk about what it looks like for us to do that in this series. Now, here's what I think it means. Let me give you a little definition for what I think it means to walk in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit means a consistent sensitivity to God's intentional presence and influence in every step of life we take. Can we read that again? Walking in the Spirit means a consistent sensitivity to God's intentional presence and influence in every step of life that we take. At its base level, I really think it's just that simple. It's, it's all about cultivating within us that sensitivity, that awareness of God's spirit around us. And so we're going to be doing uh, seven weeks on what it looks like for us to cultivate that sensitivity to the spirit in the day-to-day and in the weekly rhythms of the normal things that we do following Jesus. Right? We've done some sermons here there, kind of on, on the Spirit of God, and, but we've never kind of dug into it in, the, in this much depth, and I'm excited for that. And it, it's not going to be totally exhaustive, all right? There's a lot of other things we could jump into, but my hope is that it's kind of an on-ramp for us as a church, um, and, and maybe for you, if this is not something you've ever really considered of what it looks like to really walk in the Spirit in the day-to-day. Because I think the real tragedy of paralysis that we could have, of not knowing you know, where to jump into this, is that it keeps us from something central. And that's that the New Testament's vision for a mature disciple of Jesus is someone who has cultivated the skill of being sensitive to and led by or walking in the Spirit. I think we can't really get to maturity in following Jesus if we aren't doing this on a regular basis, I think. We can get mature in a lot of other areas. We can gain a lot of knowledge. We can, um, you, know, get, you know, be very diligent and disciplined um, to have, you know, the right habits and practices and try to cultivate maybe the right character. We can learn the right things to do in different situations. But I think full maturity means kind of cultivating or developing the sensitivity. And in order for us to be who God wants us to be, I think the church that God has called Rest City to be, we have to be walking in God's spirit. Because without that, 
I think we end up being just like a boat adrift at sea. And I know that's something I really don't want for us. I don't want that for anybody in this room or watching online or listening to this sermon. That, that is not what I want for any of us. That actually keeps me up at night, if I'm being honest. Okay, so we're going to be talking about it. And today what I want us to do is to just develop some understanding of what the Spirit even is, right? In order to really walk in the Spirit, we have to understand what, what God's Spirit is. And so we're going to do that. And today, uh, to do that, we're going to go all the way back to Genesis, to the very beginning of the Bible, where God's Spirit shows up. I have to give some credit um, to uh, Tim Mackey and John Collins of the Bible Project for digging into this. I, I really uh, learned a lot from some, some work that they've done on this. If, if you would like to do that too, there's some good podcasts they have from back in 2017 on this, if you'd like to go a little bit deeper. We're gonna, I'm going to throw a lot at you here right now, okay? Just a heads up. So I would encourage you to maybe go a little bit deeper, and that's a good spot for you to do it if you do want to, okay? So let's get into it. Genesis 1, verse 2, this, literally the second verse of the entire Bible Uh, we see God's spirit show up. So let's start there. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Okay, so right at the beginning of the Bible, we see God's spirit, and it is hovering and active in creation, okay? What What we have here is this sort of, God has created the raw materials of creation of the world, but he needs something to kind of come and put them all together, to order them. And that's what God's spirit does, to turn chaos into order and life, right? You think of it like a house. If you're building a house, right, and, and the, you know, someone comes and drops off all the lumber and all of the, you know, the nails and the sheetrock, all the stuff you need to actually build the house, but it's just sitting on a lot, right? That's not a house. Something needs to come and order all of that in order for it to be a home. And that's kind of what the Spirit does here. So what we learn from the Spirit right off the bat, the very first thing we learn about it is that it brings life and order out of chaos, okay? That is our introduction to the Spirit. Now the word Spirit, it is, you know, I I don't know what you think of when you think of Spirit, right? I don't know what comes to mind for you. It could be a lot of stuff. The Hebrew word for Spirit, ruach, is, is actually just a word for breath or wind, okay? It gets used in other contexts in that way. It's just kind of moving air. And I actually think that's where that sailboat analogy is really, really helpful. It kind of illustrates what, what the spirit is and how it, it works in the world, okay? So that's, that's what the spirit is. It, it, you know, that's how it's, it's, it's talked about as breath or wind. Now, to help understand why that's the case, let's actually jump ahead a chapter into Genesis 2, 7. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Okay, so in order to take this human that has been sculpted out of the ground, God's breath needs to enter it. Okay, God's spirit needs to fill it to sort of animate it and give it life. And so all humanity has God's breath in them, giving them life, animating them. And we now, as a result, have our own spirit, our own breath, our own, our own spirit that comes out of us because of that. That's how the, the Bible uses that language. Now, if you're trying to understand, you know, why would the ancient Hebrews use that word to describe um, you know, the spirit that's within us and that you know, sp- uh, animates us and gives us life, you think about it like this. You know someone is alive or not if they're breathing, Right? So if you're an, you're an ancient person, you're looking at that, you see someone stop breathing and the life goes out of them, you would start to associate those two things. That's kind of where the association comes. There's no breath. That also means there's no mind. There's nothing animating that body. 
Okay, and so those two things start to become tied together. And so ruach, um, spirit, when it's used in other places in the Old Testament and applied to humans, I think it's best understood as the mind, the conscious will, the, the place your thoughts come from, the purpose you set yourself towards, the thing that is animating you. That's what it means to talk about the fact that we have a spirit. Or you could say we, we are a spirit. Okay? So God has a spirit. We have a spirit as well. And what we find is that God continues to influence human spirit through his spirit. That kind of is, is the case as we, as we go along throughout the Old Testament. We see this happening from time to time. So here's an example. This comes from Exodus 31. So Israel has been brought out of Egypt now. They've been set free from slavery. And God's purpose is to establish an ongoing relationship with Israel, with this whole people group, leading them to life. And there's a lot of different ways that he does that. But one of them is by actually coming to dwell with them, to live with them in a, an actual a, a tent that can kind of be picked up and moved around with them. It's called the tabernacle sometimes. Okay, but this isn't a tent you go to REI and buy, okay? This is something special because God's presence is dwelling in it. And so it requires a sort of beauty and wisdom beyond the normal capacity of a human to build. And so what God does is his spirit makes it so someone can actually build this special um, tent for him. So Exodus 31, 1 to 5. Then the Lord said to Moses, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of craft. Okay, so God chooses this guy Bezalel, and his spirit comes on him, and Bezalel now is influenced, he's empowered, and he's guided to be an artist for God's purpose by God's spirit to bring God's life to the people of Israel. Okay, this is what we see God's spirit doing in this situation. It comes on this person so that he may be influenced and guided to do God's will. And we see lots of examples of this throughout Scripture in the Old Testament, from prophets to kings to you know, other leaders that God wills from time to time to fill people with his spirit, to guide and to empower and to give them wisdom. Right? And, 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 and it's on a case-by-case basis, though. That's the thing that's really interesting. Right? It doesn't happen to everybody in Israel. It happens kind of at special moments or for special purposes. Now, when we come to the New Testament, the gospel writers kind of go out of their way to let us know that Jesus is also filled with and influenced by God's spirit. So this is the Greek word pneuma uh, to describe that. Okay? So, for example, in Luke 4.1, we're told that Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. So Jesus is filled with the Spirit. It is, it is permeating him, and the Spirit influences him toward a task, to go out into the wilderness. Um, and this is, this is an important moment. We don't need to get into like, what happens there, but it's an important sort of uh, uh, thing for Jesus to do before he can start his ministry. And Luke especially is always talking about how this sensitivity to the Spirit is fueling Jesus' ministry. Okay? We're constantly told that Jesus is full of the Spirit. He's being led by God's Spirit. That is sort of behind all the stuff that Jesus is doing. Okay? But one of the things we also find as we keep reading the New Testament is that it becomes clear that disciples of Jesus 
are also now filled with and led by the Spirit. And it's not done on a case-by-case basis anymore, but it's supposed to be all of us that God's Spirit is working and moving and guiding and giving wisdom to us through. Okay? There's an event in Acts 2. It's called Pentecost. It takes place during this, this Jewish festival, Pentecost. And this is where, where the word Pentecostal comes from, if you've ever heard that word. Where there's a group of Christians. Jesus has, has just ascended. He said, hey, the Spirit is going to come on you all now. So they're hanging out um, in, in a room, and, and there's this festival going on with all these different people, um, all these different people in town for but they don't all speak the same language. And we see a, a giant wind, like a giant breath, comes flowing into the room, and all of a sudden, all the people in there are uh, able to be empowered and guided to speak other languages so that this message of Jesus can start to spread. Okay, God's Spirit has filled them all for this purpose of spreading this gospel message, right? It's like a literal breath of fresh air filling all these people with God's life. Okay, God's Spirit has now come on the whole church so that we can Walk by the Spirit. That's the story of the New Testament. That's how the the Spirit of God works when we read through the New Testament. And there is this really deep and sincere belief from early disciples that is kind of woven, that the Spirit has been woven into their lives. And every interaction that they have, the Spirit of God is moving through them, guiding them, empowering them, giving wisdom. God has spoken to all of us who follow Jesus. That is a sincere and deep belief of the people in the New Testament. And that brings us to Galatians, back to this passage we talked about that we get the title of our series from, and and that talks about the Spirit of God being active in us and us walking in it. So let me read some more, or let me go back to that, let me read a little little bit more context here. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit... You are not under law. And skipping to verse 25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Okay, so for Paul, I think walking in the Spirit means being influenced and led by God himself. And not being led uh, towards the desires of our natural selves. It's what Paul calls the flesh. Okay, our, our cravings and desires that kind of bubble up within us that you know, lead us you know, to all sorts of different places. Um, instead, we're supposed to be walking in, in, the, in the Spirit of God. And I think kind of connecting this back, all the way going back to Genesis, the Spirit of God here also leads us to life. Right? It is active in creation, leading us to life. And when we don't follow the Spirit, we are led back to the disorder of creation before the Spirit has organized it. All right, when we follow after the flesh, I think that's where we ultimately end up. So let me just state something basic here. I think this is really, it seems kind of like it goes without saying, but I actually think it's really important that we stop and think about this for a second. Okay, Paul, at the most basic thing that he's doing here for us, is inviting us to just acknowledge that the Spirit is in our midst. He doesn't put any conditions on any of this stuff. He just assumes this is the case for us if we follow Jesus. That's his main point. Okay, so the question for Christians isn't, is God's Spirit with us? But rather, will we take seriously that it is? Okay, you, yes, you. If you follow Jesus, that's because the Spirit led you there and the Spirit is still in you. Okay, the Spirit is still 
moving to guide and empower and influence you. So the first step for us, if we're talking about what it means for us to cultivate a sensitivity to God's spirit, the first step for us, okay, and this is, real, this is like when you, you're having you know, tech trouble with your computer and you call and they say, have you plugged it in? Right? This is this kind of basic of an understanding, but it's as simple as just believing that God's spirit is in our midst. Right, that is step one. That is where we need to start. If we want to walk in the Spirit, like what Paul talks about here, we have to just simply believe that God's Spirit is actually here. It's actually moving in our lives. Right? It doesn't seem like much, but I really don't think we naturally do this. Okay? And so we have, to fund, we have to constantly be bringing our mindset back to this fact and believe that God is actually wants to speak with us. He actually wants to guide us and lead us and empower us and give us wisdom. Okay? If we don't start there, we can't really walk in God's spirit. Now, Paul doesn't give a manual here for what it looks like for us to do that. Okay? And there, you know, it could be kind of frustrating for us. I don't know exactly why, but I think the most obvious reason is that he simply assumes it's just going to happen naturally through us cultivating that sensitivity or awareness to the spirit in the normal rhythms of us following after Jesus of doing those things with understanding that God's Spirit is going to be moving in and out of those things, drawing us closer to Jesus, giving us wisdom, giving us guidance. Okay? That, I think really that's what Paul means. Okay? So that means in our prayer, in our reflection, our meditation, in silence, in reading Scripture and, and having Scripture preached, to, and preached and taught to us when we're gathered together in church, Right? Paul writes about the spirit erupting when people are gathered together in church settings. In our interaction with one another, in the community of others of God's spirit, in all of those settings and more, if we're sensitive to it, we are opening ourselves up to be influenced by God's spirit and to have God's influence fill us and, and pull us along, pull our sails along. Okay? I think sometimes we, we, you know, we're looking for something really wild and crazy because we read about that in the New Testament, right? And, and you, you maybe have heard stories like that, some just kind of some crazy stuff. And it's true. Sometimes when the Spirit shows up, it is dramatic, right? In dreams and visions, in, you know, manifestation of tongues and in healings and miracles, stuff like that, right? And I think, you know, some people think those things have ended. My personal conviction is that's still in God's toolbox, right? God still uses that stuff when he wants to, okay? But I think often... I think more often, and the thing we should really be kind of on the lookout for more often, it can, it's often just as simple as the right thing that comes to mind at the right moment. A word of insight or wisdom on what course to take. Courage or direction as we spend time with disciples of Jesus and are encouraged by them. Uh, something that is stirred in your heart as you listen to a sermon. Um, something that sticks with you because you needed it in that moment or maybe it challenges you. It convicts you in some way, and it really makes you think. It's asking you to respond in some way. It could be a word of specific encouragement from a friend at community group as you are sharing something difficult you're going through, and someone says something to you to encourage you. Um, it could be a piece of information that you never considered, right? But as you hear it, you're like, that makes so much sense. Uh, it could be hope in a moment of despair or reassurance or just a feeling of kindness towards you. When you feel you need forgiveness, if, you, if you've sinned, you've messed up, and just the belief, the understanding that God does not hate you because of that, but actually calls you to him gently. 
It could be boldness. It could be the right word to pass along to someone else in the right moment, right? These things might seem very ordinary to us, but if that's the case, I think that's more on us than on God, right? We only make these types of ordinary acts seem ordinary because we're not being sensitive to the fact that God is moving in and through us, okay? If we believe that God is active in our midst, then we should assume that stuff like that is anything but ordinary, right? And so actually, every time we, we choose not to engage in these ordinary things, right, we are uh, we're giving up an opportunity for the Spirit of God to fill us with life, to breathe and, and speak life into us like he does all the way back in Genesis with Adam. And instead, we're giving what Paul calls the flesh, an opportunity to guide us rather than walking in the Spirit. Now, this doesn't mean that, you know, we're going to get a word from the Spirit every time we're doing one of these things, right? Every time we're intentional or sensitive, right? Sometimes nothing happens. That's okay, okay? Let me just, you know, encourage you that it's okay. If, if God is not speaking at every single moment, sometimes we, we misinterpret or sometimes we, we respond wrongly to things. And, and we're going to talk about that in this series, okay? So don't worry, okay? That's okay, I think we just need to keep coming back and again and again, you know, believing God is active, continuing to be aware and sensitive to God's spirit in our midst, believing that he is looking to breathe life in us, to push our sails along so we may move further and further towards what he wants for us. Okay? Now, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, a second step for us. We're just going to do two steps on this today, but a second step for us in, in cultivating sensitivity, sensitivity to the Spirit, and that's discernment, okay? Because every time that you, you know, are sitting here in a Sunday gathering and a thought comes to mind, for example, you know, it might not be God's Spirit, right? If, if, if you are like, man, I could go for a burger right now, I don't think that's probably God's Spirit, okay? So it's helpful for us to have some discernment or wisdom to know what it looks like when God does speak for us, okay? So the second step that I want to talk about today to cultivating sensitivity to the Spirit is discernment, all right? If you remember from 10th grade civics class, I feel like when I talked, that was actually one of my favorite classes in high school, but when I talked to most people, like, it's like they don't even, like, it's, they, it's like a total blank. I, like, I, don't, I went to that class every day. I don't literally remember anything from it. It was like, you know, <laughs> uh, it, it's like you're blocking it all out from your memory or something. Um, but if you remember back to that, you know, we ta- you talked about how we have a government with a system of checks and balances, right? Things that kind of check and balance di- different things so that we can kind of, you know, um, uh, you know, check each other in case something goes rogue, right? I want to talk a little bit about some checks and balances that we can apply to see if God has actually spoken to us. And honestly, I think these are really helpful because when we apply these to things that we might not think that God is speaking to us through, we start to see maybe God is actually speaking to us again through things we didn't expect or through ordinary means. Maybe the Spirit was actually carrying us through something even though we didn't realize that that was God in that moment, Okay, so this actually helps us to understand more what the Spirit is and helps us to know when the Spirit is moving in us. So three things I want to talk about today. I could probably say a few more, but here's three really important ones. Three important checks and balances for us to know when it is God's Spirit moving in us is friends, fruit, and focus. Three Fs. All right, so let's talk about the first one, friends. All right, and this comes back, again, going to the book of Acts, um, chapter 13, verses 1 to 2. Now, the church at Antioch, uh, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, and Saul. And Saul is Paul, 
okay, in case, in case you, you don't know. He changes his name um, later on in the book, like Prince. Um, so while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Okay, so friends, what am I talking about here? Here we see a church, and it is searching the Spirit together. Okay, they're, they're doing this together, and the Holy Spirit unites and gives consensus as they each genuinely seek out God's will. Right? And notice, they're just doing some fairly normal stuff. They're worshiping together and they're fasting. Okay? Kind of the you know, normal stuff we're all called to do as we follow Jesus. And you can imagine what, what this looked like. One person is, brings it up and says, Hey, I kind of think God is telling us to prep Barnabas and, and Paul to start more churches. And everyone else is like, you know what? That finds harmony with what I feel like the Spirit is doing in me right now, too. Okay, that, that fits kind of just, that, that fits, right? It got, and there's some confirmation that is going on, okay? Assuming the Spirit is working in all of us to influence us, right? Like what we've been talking about, this is true of all people who follow Jesus now. We should be able to ask, how does the community of those whom the Spirit moves in uh, receive a word that you've gotten from God? Right, if you're wondering if God is speaking to you, instead of trying to go it alone, ask some other people who follow Jesus, who you believe the Spirit is working in as well. Let them give you some wisdom. Ask them to, ask them to go off and pray, pray themselves about it for a little bit and to seek God out and see if to them it seems like it must, might be God working as well. Right? This means we're, we're supposed to search the Spirit out together, okay? not just on our own. Okay? It will happen on our own sometimes, but it's supposed to be a team sport, walking in the Spirit together. Right? And this is tough. We live in a society that is very disconnected from one another. So we have to be intentional to do this. It's not going to happen on its own. Okay? But as a church, we really want to create environments for this to happen. Okay? This is why we meet on Sunday mornings. This is something that can happen on a Sunday morning. Okay? This is something that absolutely, I think, should happen in community groups. Right? I don't know if you've ever done this, but maybe consider, if you're seeking God out in some way, Ask the people in your community group, could you pray about this too? Could, like, and next week, you know, after you've spent some time praying and seeking God out, can we talk about if we think this is a wise thing for me to do or not? I really think we would all benefit from using the, the community that we have in order to walk in the Spirit well. I think that's how it's supposed to work. Okay, let's talk about fruit. Okay? This is in that same passage of Galatians we've been talking about uh, today, verses 22 to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Okay? Fruit. What fruit is blossoming from some kind of influence in your mind, right? Some path that you're, you know, you might be feeling like you're led by God to go towards something, right? What, what is growing or what would grow if you went a certain path? Would it be these things? Would, it, would this be the fruit you'd see if you did this thing? Or would it be something else, right? And Paul talks about, again, what it looks like to follow the flesh in this passage as well. And he talks about the kinds of fruit. He doesn't use that language there, but I think it helps to, to think of it that way. The fruit that comes as we walk after our flesh instead. Things like sexual immorality, idolatry, hatred, discord, jealousy, anger, selfish ambition, factions, envy. That kind of stuff is what grows when we're not following after the Spirit. Okay? Okay, and also notice what, what is and isn't in this list here. Things like wild success or, or, or comfort or ease or good vibes. Those are not in the list. 
okay? Those are the kinds of things that we might seek after sometimes. We might think God is leading us towards, okay? But those aren't, not to say that those things are bad, but that's not necessarily the fruit of the Spirit, all right? It's these things instead. So some of the things that we might measure success by and might apply to the Spirit to ask whether or not it is actually God moving aren't here. So we have to cultivate discernment and wisdom for what kind of fruit we're seeking out when we're actually discerning if the Spirit is speaking to us or not, right? Lots of people do stuff in the name of the Spirit, okay? And this stuff does not come from it. Just saying that it's the Spirit of God because it's flashy or cool is not necessarily make it the Spirit of God, okay? This fruit is an indicator that God's Spirit is at work or not. Okay? That people might think God is, is speaking to them, but it's leading them away from this stuff, and I think it's because they're looking for the wrong kind of fruit. Okay? Beware of calling something fruit because it produces, or sorry, be, beware of calling something the spirit, but look, looking for some other kind of fruit because that's actually dangerous and it can wreck people's faith. And we can probably think of some examples of that. When God's spirit moves, over time at least, we're going to see this kind of stuff in like a pattern growing. And consider... All right, let's just think about this a little bit. Some of that fruit has to include some waiting and disappointment in it, right? When do you need forbearance? When do you need self-control? When things aren't going according to plan. When you're maybe waiting a little bit. That's when you need that stuff to grow. And I think sometimes when we're following after God's spirit, we might have to do some waiting sometime in order for this fruit to grow in us, okay? So just because you're waiting... You know, just because you're, you know, things aren't happening according to the timeline or, or plan that you have, but you're seeing this stuff truly grow in you, it might still be God's spirit, right? That's a word I know I need to hear from time to time. Maybe you need to hear that right now, too. All right, lastly, let's talk about focus. 1 John 4, 1 to 3. Dear friends, he says, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Our ears should be pricking up here. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. Okay, so what's the focus of the spirit that you're following? Okay, John says don't trust every spirit, right? Whether it's your spirit, whether it's someone else's spirit, whether it's actual other spiritual forces, which is something that, you know, I think we need to, again, acknowledge is, is active in the world a lot more than we, we like to think a lot of times. Okay, don't trust all of them. He says, this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God when we're led to Jesus. That's when we know the Spirit of God is moving. If you are led to Jesus, that's God's Spirit working. All right? Even if it doesn't seem special, it seems very normal I think we should acknowledge if we're led to Jesus in some way, that's God. It's his spirit working in us. The spirit of God is like a, it's like a height, he's like a hype man, right? He's like a brand ambassador, right? Everything that he does is supposed to be promoting Jesus and leading us to him. And so ask yourself, does what is influencing me lead me to follow Jesus? And radically so, not a Jesus in my own image, but the Jesus as revealed to us in Scripture, to be more like him, to receive his grace and love, to find hope in him, and to promote it to others? Or is it somehow pushing me away from those things, or even just distracting me from those things? 
Okay? Jesus, God come to dwell with us, to die, to rise again, that's the center of God's purpose. And the Spirit wants to make it the center of our purpose as well. If the Spirit doesn't lead us to Jesus, it's counterfeit. So to close here, okay, guys, I just want to reiterate, this is, I think, really important for us to be thinking about, okay? Every boat needs wind in its sails, okay? That's what we're talking about here. So maybe you feel stuck in some way, like you need a breath of fresh air. Maybe you're, you feel like you're trying to row across the ocean yourself, right? And maybe you think you can right now, or maybe you have been trying and you feel totally burnt out and exhausted from it, right? Or you're hoping to catch, you know, some wind in your sails from just something. Seek out God's Spirit. Seek out God's Spirit. That's what we're supposed to do. Without the Spirit, like I said, we're just adrift at sea. I think we need to examine ourselves all the time, to ask ourselves if we're cultivating sensitivity to God, if we're allowing Him to push us along, to bring order and life out of chaos in the world. Because that's what we see is God longs to do that in Scripture. He wants to speak to us. He wants to guide us, influence us, empower us. It's why he gives us his spirit. If he didn't care about those things, he wouldn't give us his spirit. So he wants to do this. He wants to be active in our midst. He wants us to acknowledge it. The question is if we're going to do it. Now, if I'm totally honest with you guys, like I'm really excited about this series, but I'm actually like, I'm actually a little bit nervous about it too. Okay? Like, I am not the answer guy on this, okay? We're not going to do Q&R after today's sermon because, like, this stuff, for a long time, I have sort of, like, felt intimidated by the subject, if I'm being totally honest. And I've kind of talked about that in sermons before. If you want to hear more about it, I I definitely can talk to you about that sometime. Um, But I'm, I'm kind of, I've been encouraged to not do that anymore, all right? Because I really think that's kind of the point, all right? I want us to rest in the mystery of this stuff. Okay, retaining that mystery and wonder, because we're talking about God here. All right? We're talking about a God who like, raised Jesus from the dead. All right? we, we, it's, it's okay to have some mystery and some wonder related to this. And it's, it shouldn't intimidate us from going into it. And, and I think really my ultimate goal for us as a church is to start a conversation on this. All right? it, it's ultimately to encourage you to ask yourself, what does it look like to cultivate sensitivity to God's spirit? What does it look like for us as a church to continue to do that, to grow in that? All right? I really don't care if none of us are experts on it. I really don't care. I think it's still important that we try and we truly believe it because that's our first step. Okay, so we're going to be doing that for the next few weeks here, and we want to give you uh, some other ways to do it. So again, in community groups, as always, when we're talking about this, hopefully creating some good conversations, Maybe taking some time to actually just let the Spirit guide us in our community groups too. We'll see, we'll see if we can fit any of that in. And then also, and this isn't directly connected to this, but um, Julie talked a little bit this morning about us kind of pursuing prayer around this time of year. And a lot of churches will do something called 21 Days of Prayer at this time of year. We're going to do that as well as a church. And we actually have our, our Res City prayer team, the people who are standing in the back, after church on Sunday mornings and they're willing to pray with you, we've actually written some devotionals. So it's kind of like the Advent devotional. They're really short. It's, it should take you, you know, five, ten minutes in the morning or something to do it uh, with a little bit of a devotional and then a prompt for you to pray. Okay, just again, trying to encourage us and create some rhythms to, to go to God with some sensitivity or awareness 
that his spirit is moving in us, seeking to, to guide us, to lead us to Jesus, and to, and to empower us and influence, and get, influence us and give us wisdom in our day-to-day lives. All right, so let's pray. We're going to enter into a time of worship and communion and also prayer. If you want some prayer in the back, like I said, we have that team there like, willing to pray with you through anything. So, so please, uh, please take advantage of that if you feel like you need it today. Lord, thank you that your spirit does bring life and order out of chaos. And you don't just do that once in the establishment of creation, but you're actively doing that constantly through us, Lord. You've done it in Jesus to lead us to ultimate life in him, to bring order out of the chaos of the world that has been plunged into sin. Um, And you're doing it in the midst of us as well, Lord. I pray that you'd help us to have wisdom for what it looks like for us to develop a sensitivity and and an awareness of that in our lives so that we might not be a a, a boat adrift at sea, but that we would be cruising along, Lord, as we are um, powered by your spirit in our day-to-day lives. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, the one to whom your spirit testifies. Amen.